Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the Stay Tuned Network, brought to you by Nova Insider. Feels good to be back. It's Monday, December 21st at around 6.30 p.m. It's the winter solstice. So it's, um, pitch, so it's pitch black. It's dark as fuck. Um, <laughs> um, the darkness. Yeah. we Rob is, Rob is visiting family in Pittsburgh. That's right. Uh, I did, did the drive today. Yeah, long one. And I, I am, I am here in my um, northern New Jersey home, um, looking at the smelting snow and Christmas lights. I've got, um, I'm in my childhood bedroom, which definitely has some uh, Villanovan covers from back in the day. I've got some Scotty Reynolds um, donning the walls here, so it's a, it's a nice setup for me. Scott Reynolds. Scott Reynolds. So. So, yeah, so I, and I apologize to our listeners. I had previously sent out a programming note that we were going to have a podcast ready last night and delivered, you know, to you this morning. And then I decided to make an Italian dessert all fucking day yesterday. And it took me forever. And it was the first time I'm going to continue to do it because I think I got the hang of it now. But just any time with me and baked goods, the first time is always a disaster. That's what that's what they usually say. Um Anyway, you, you were telling me about it, and you're like, oh, yeah, it didn't turn out quite the way I wanted it. It's They're more like honey-flavored, yeah. like, donut holes. And I was like, that sounds amazing. Yeah. But that sounds like <laughs> a, a very successful outcome to me. Yeah, you know, look, it tastes the way it's supposed to taste. It's tasty. Okay. It's good. It's really good. It's just it's – just, the dough expanded when it hit the oil. I should have known better. and you know, but it, So it was just a little bit bigger than I would have liked them to be. Well, they still look good. We'll we'll, we'll do a, a full rundown on our our baking podcast that's dropping tomorrow. <laughs> it's called it's called just the dough. Just the dough. Just the dough. So bad. <laughs> just the dough with Chris with Chris and Rob. It's the full forty minutes at three hundred seventy five degrees. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so anyway, the busy week. We've actually had three games that we need to cover uh, in this podcast. <laughs> Not the three um, games we plan to have. <laughs> no. No, two of which we plan to have, and then, and then a whole a whole hum holy war. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess let's just get down into that. Talk about the week that was, and then I got, obviously we got a preview Marquette game coming up this Wednesday. Talk a little bit about the coming Big East, and then as we always do, a little recap of 2020 and and a wish list for the se- the rest of the season to come into 2021. 2020, just a, just another year. Just another year. <laughs> Just nothing, a casual. Nothing, nothing happened. Yeah, nothing to oh, report. Oh God. So, what happened? Georgetown game. Just to really quickly cover that, uh, we covered right. So nothing really to see there. <laughs> yeah, in the weirdest, <laughs> the weirdest style ever. That yeah. was very strange. But I will say, if you're a Georgetown fan, that's a game you've got to be like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like, <laughs> it couldn't have started any better. And my God, what an end! That is terrible. That's uh, that's the state of Georgetown basketball for you right there. Yeah, it wasn't good. And then it was one of those things that like the moment where you start to see the the dam break, it was just it was just the flood and then it was over. Yeah. And then 
And then the last bit of that game didn't feel like much of a game. So it was, it was a weird one though. I mean, and it was, and let's talk about it a little bit because it featured us getting down way big, yeah. way too much, way too <laughs> way, far. way big, way big. Way big. We got get down was, way big. And, and, and it was, and I had previously wished that, you know, this keep a low stress profile for uh, the game on my birthday. Villanova decided that that was not going to be the fucking case. They were like, nope, we're going to keep you locked in the whole rest of the night. Neither here nor there. We emerged victorious. Caleb went absolutely nuts. Caleb, great guy. Great guy. Caleb Daniels, a great guy. Um, But yes, he was nuts. He went nuts. Caleb, you want to talk about this now? Because Caleb came in second in our um, Alpha Dog of the Week. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, so um, you started you started lauding him, um, rightfully so. I think the winner does go, the alpha dog does go to J-Rob for the week. Not for the Georgetown game, but for the other two games where he was just unreal and showing that, I don't know, it feels redundant that we keep talking about it, but he just shows more and more how dynamic he is each week in each game. And I'm constantly blown away. And I look at his stat line like yesterday, 25 and seven i'm just like oh my gosh like i'm getting used to seeing a stat line like that which is really otherworldly like it wasn't it wasn't until a couple years ago where you could like reliably see somebody like that on villanova like game in and game out but here he is doing it all shooting the three inside defense rebounding my god he's he is a player i mean i mean look i mean our most gifted big was omari in this Laces latest run. And even though I we're close with, we're close with Daryl, I think he'd agree. <laughs> um, but our most gifted big was Omari in the latest run. And, and I, I still, I don't even remember uh, like just this early in the season, being able to rely on Omari for, no, for, for this level of output. Definitely not. Um, and yeah, it's a slightly different game. I mean, Omari was a bigger body, so he's a little bit more of a force down low. Although not that not that J Rob's not, but he's just he uses more. Um, uh, he's crafty. He uses his mind. He's smarter in terms of how to. He's, well, he uses athleticism. <laughs> we gave, we, we gave them an IQ test, and J Rob scored higher. No, no I, I, no, I understand what you're getting. He he has a very different game. Like Omari um, definitely did rely on some of his physicality a lot more inside than J Rob does. J Rob is not. Is not going to body you down in the post. He's not going to move people around. He's going to shoot the three. He's going to attack the hoop. He's going to hit that 12-foot jumper. And he's going to do some nice finishes around the post. But it's not be it's not going to be because he threw his weight around and just threw it down in your face. He he's actually, yeah. as we've discussed, he's not like an above the rim finisher who's just going at you. He's just yeah. a different player in that. Yeah. And he but he is different in the sense that like, look, he can score at every level. He's so gifted footwork-wise around the hoop. And he can dribble the ball. I mean, every time he takes the ball up the court, at first hand, I'm like, wait, why is he taking the ball up the court? And then I'm like, wait, I don't care because he's totally fine. I don't feel, I feel totally comfortable with him and his ball handling. Yeah, Um, absolutely. He is, he is getting much more confident and better at shooting the three. And he's ridiculous from the mid range, just absolutely absurd from the mid. Yes. hundred percent. We talked about his uh, comparison to Dante Cunningham earlier this year. And yeah, that's obviously very true, but clearly he is way more talented because he is shooting the three very regularly and doing it quite efficiently. Well, too. yeah. yeah. Um, but so, all, all that said, 
you know, that's J-Rob. You did want to segue in to say, let's talk a little about Caleb, who did have two phenomenal games, 18 points he had against Georgetown, and he had 19 points against, um, excuse me, against Butler. So he was, um, or excuse me, against uh, St. Joe's. So, like, the dude is showing up game in and game out, becoming a very reliable part of this offense. Caleb is an extremely reliable part of the um, also reliable on the defensive end, um, just all over the place in terms of in terms of using his athleticism to create opportunities for rebounds, um, to stay in front of his guy, to, and then also to blow to, to blow by guys and to keep defenses honest um, so that he can have a little bit more space to clear for shooting a three. I mean, I love Caleb Daniels. This guy looks like – it's crazy how much he looks like he's played Villanova basketball for like two years already. Hundred, I, like, I couldn't, couldn't have said that better. He fits like, into the system and fits the profile so, so well. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's hard to believe that we're going to have him for another year. Yes. And he's a transfer. It's crazy. Very lucky. Um, he's going to look like fucking Hulk when he comes back next year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, well, that's what, but Shaq's been telling us this for like two years. Shaq's like, Shaq's like I got to keep this guy like, you know, lean because his, his, he like desires to be fucking enormous. <laughs> <laughs> just going to put him at the um, five next year just for kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and we could talk about it a little bit um, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but like, I, Caleb is so strong that like it feels like he has to get called for an obligatory oh offensive God. foul at least once a game. At least once because, a game. Because it's because he's just he looks so big. So like he puts his arm on a defender and a defender falls and it like he could have not even done anything and the ref's like, Well, you're fucking Popeye. So you just <laughs> yeah. knocked him down. hundred percent. Um just just because of your sheer strength and force. And so it must be an offensive foul. And like, you know. A lot of that's on Caleb. Caleb's got to control that because totally. he does play. He does tend to do. He does tend to try and use it a little too much. But like, I, I do feel for a guy who's just so physically gifted and and so and so strong that just any play that like Colin, who's also strong, right? but if Colin made the same play, wouldn't get whistled. No, no, absolutely. And and I think you're right. The opponents play into that. They know he's strong. They know if they do those things, they're likely to get the call anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, look, it's up to Caleb, though, to adjust around. Yeah. So. But, I mean, the headline for Caleb is, you know, little kind of midseason check-in. He is shooting the ball very well. In my mind, doing more than I expected him to be doing at this point and to be playing a bigger role than I even had hope for him. So, kudos to him. So, Alpha Dog, J-Rob, Beta Dog. <laughs> beta Dog. <laughs> Caleb. <laughs> yes. Beta dog Caleb. Beta dog Caleb. And also still the nicest guy. Still the nicest guy, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, um okay, so 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 we're 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 meandering a little bit though, but like so we had Georgetown ugly first half, then quickly reverse course in the second half. In that game, we had the Shaq fit man play of the week. We actually had two or three contestants, mm. but but we gotta give it to Brandon Slater, who just decided that he was going to own the District of Columbia. Yes. In one dunk. Like, just crazy. I mean, um, it fits because Villanova owns the DMV area. So, I love it. Fair. Slate, baby. Accurate. Accurate. Yeah, so so that was a thunder dunk. 100%. Um, and, and brought the house down. And, and really was kind of like a 
a good moment. Like it was, it, it came at a very necessary time. Like needed that lift at the moment that it was happening because we were getting beat pretty bad at that point in the yeah. time of the game. And then, and then the other takeaway from 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 both the Georgetown game and the whole week really is is it kind of reinforces the fact that we need Colin. Oh my um, god! Like you just need Colin on the floor. Like he doesn't even have to be doing everything. You just need him on the floor. In in the Georgetown game, like we needed him to score, but like in in general though. He is just a steadying presence for this team and gets the guys lined up the way he the way they need to be and going in the right direction. And with him, he's not on the floor, it gets a little bit spastic. Right? Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, it's it's interesting thinking about it because it's not it's not like we haven't had obviously terrific players that we've relied upon, you know, especially in recent memory. Um, I just think the the difference in terms of the the caliber of the rest of the players um, in terms of like stepping into that same type of role just isn't there. Like obviously, like when Jalen went off the floor in you know twenty seventeen or you know twenty eighteen, there were enough other folks who were comfortable oh, yeah. on the ball to create their own shot. Booth, Booth, exactly. Vincenzo, like, totally. You know, and, yeah. and and we just don't we just don't have that quite as much or or the other players around on the team aren't quite as dynamic to really initiate the offense so yes we end up being a lot more stagnant when colin is not on the court that like it stands out to me a lot yeah and it plays into the fact that look like i think moore is an absolute stud and i love when moore's handling the ball and oftentimes actually i've noticed that even with colin on the floor jay's got more running the point um like they kind of seem to alternate that role but it's like a, it's like such a drop off when, when Colin's on, when Colin's on the floor, and 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 that's even with Moore being a stud. It's just something that Moore doesn't have yet. It's like that that I wouldn't say the last frontier in Moore's game because we'll we'll get into a little bit more about yeah. Moore. Um, but but Moore doesn't seem to have that like offense steadying leadership role that Scotty had, that even Fisher had, that. Um, um, that Ryan, uh, that Arch had, that that Brunson had, that Colin has, like it's just not that that level of totally. offense steadying role. And and I think there's a couple thoughts come to mind as we're talking through this. I think the potential absence of Colin, if we get into a game where he gets in foul trouble, especially late in the season or in the tournament, that worries me. And I think that limits the upside of this team until you see. Justin or somebody else. And frankly, I don't know that there is anybody else who could potentially step into that type of role at this point and give us that presence. So like, that's the single biggest thing I, I see as our, our limiting factors. I think about where we could go, um, which I mean, you look at that Colin and I'd say, and just to add there, obviously J Rob, like it's, well, it's, sure. it's yeah. both. It's, yeah. it's both. Yeah. Yeah. It, totally fair. But which then I, I think kind of, we've danced around it. Should we talk about the pass the fucking ball award of the week? Because I, yeah. I think this is related. Yes, it's related. And just to be clear, we've talked about this in advance, listeners. I, I know Rob's answer. I broadly agree. I'm going to come up with a different one just yeah. because it's it's a complaint that I've had and launched on Twitter several times and I need to vocalize it. But go yeah. ahead, Rob. You go first. Totally. So so my, my call for pass the fucking ball uh, award of the week goes to Justin Moore, who on numerous occasions across several games at this point has very clearly gone into shot hunting mode and just plays outside of the offense, gets the ball in his hands and says, I am going to put up a shot. It doesn't matter who is in front of me or how far away from the hoop I am. I am shooting the ball. 
Doesn't matter the score. Don't care. Doesn't matter if I have COVID. Doesn't matter if everybody else around me has COVID. <laughs> this ball is going up. And it's, I don't know how Jay puts up with it, to be honest, because it's actually a pretty rare occurrence to see somebody do that in the past couple of years, like really outside of the flow of the offense. And it's, I'm not a basketball analyst by any means, but it is very obvious to me when it's happening. And I have to imagine Jay at some point after these couple of games, like, dude, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like play oh. in the offense. Like it is, it is so clear. So that to me is, is simple. It is actually a pass the fucking ball award week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can see when he goes tunnel vision. Like, it's almost like you could read his body language that he's like, I'm not fucking passing this ball unless I absolutely have <laughs> uh, to. There, I don't have teammates. No, it, yeah. it's me. Yeah. I, the team is yeah. on my back. Yeah, and I, well, why I think Jay, you mentioned Jay putting up with it. I don't know if you necessarily know it's a matter of putting up with it. I think it is to a degree. I think Jay appreciates his aggressiveness mm. and his ability to like, and his desire to want to, to want to be more forceful. Um, yeah. I, I think Jay wants him to express that differently. Um, so, so you can see what it happens. It'll be like what in the span of one TV timeout, he'll start to go tunnel vision. And then after that TV timeout, he doesn't do that anymore, which means he probably got his <laughs> fucking ass reamed out in the huddle. Um, but the but but I do think that Jay lets him play all these minutes. A because we need him, but B yeah. because um, but B because I think that it has a lot to do with he wants him to leverage that energy and that ability to put the team on his back because I think he's got that. He's got that mentality. Totally. He's got yeah. He's got that. Uh, I'll call it Jordan Iverson esque mentality. Of like I'm putting the team on my back and we're gonna and we're gonna get this done. Yeah, it's it's coming and, from a good place. Yeah, and where I think Jay wants him to go with that is kind of akin to I'll I'll call it Scotty Reynolds, where where Scotty, ten years ago, eleven years ago, team would get into trouble and would just be stagnant, and Scotty would just force the issue and get the ball inside, craft his way to the hoop and slice and dice, and then get. Get at least get on the foul line, and I think that's what Jay wants more to do is to be like, "Hey, I'm gonna. We're not making anything happen from beyond the arc. The team's a little bit of a mess. I'm dribbling into traffic. I'm gonna go up and take it to the rack, and we'll see what happens." And like, I think that that's what I think that that's how Jay wants him to channel that energy. And so, and Scotty used was Scotty was expert at that. Like, and, and and Scotty's shot could be like a line drive, which it often was. And still, Scotty would get to the get to the cup and get on the free throw line so often, and that kept us in or won us a bunch of games in his career. I think I think Jay sees some of that and more, and I think that that's why he quote unquote puts up with yeah that level of uh, I, extra I can, aggression. I can get behind that. I, I think the issue is though him forcing the issue at this point is from behind the three point line. He's basically yeah, like, he'll dribbles around agreed. and like takes a contested three, which totally negates the benefits that uh, you just outlined. So it's like I agree. If he actually gets into that mode of yeah, I'm gonna attack the hoop, that's a different that's a different combination. So I'm yeah, with you. I'm hundred percent. Hundred percent on board with exactly what you just said. Yep. Um now speaking of Jay did, did we I'm just gonna... become best friends? Yep. <laughs> speaking of Jay, I gotta I gotta give him my pass the fucking ball of the war. And it's because of his mask compliance. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna call it out. <laughs> or lack it. thereof. Yeah, I'm saying it. Look, Jay looks good. He's got the V mask. I like the whole look, the whole nine yards. And then when he's silent, dead silent, just patrolling the sidelines, you know, he's got the mask on, looks good, the whole nine. The moment he's got to yell at the players 
the mask comes all the way down. And I'm like, dude, like, it's you, you got the mask on for specifically that reason. It's <laughs> literally the opposite way of how you're supposed to use it. Like what it is designed for. It's uh, it's unreal. Yeah, it's like it's like somebody gave him the backward set of directions, and he's just executed on that. Like I don't, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, yeah. like I, like if anything, I can understand him wanting to be like, you know, it's hot in here. I'm pacing around. I'm not even talking. Yeah, anymore, yeah, so yeah. Like, Let me take a quick breath, and then and then put it back on, and then whatever. And look, I get it. Sometimes like your players are used to like you like cupping your hands over your mouth to try whatever. All he's doing is just creating a tunnel for the COVID <laughs> to get out of his mouth. Um, you get you guys got any more of this COVID? Here's some COVID for you. Yeah. <laughs> so he's getting everything nice and COVIDy. Um, um, but so so I give Jay a pass the fucking ball the award of the week. It's more like the wear your fucking mask the right way award of the week. Fair. Do it. Come on, Villanova. You put the video together, encouraging all the students before the semester to follow the COVID guidelines. You gotta live up to your own shit. So come on, Jay. I'm calling totally. you out. Take care of it. Totally. Um, um, be- before we move on, can, can I talk real quickly about St. Jim? Yeah, like we so, even barely talked about yeah, the games yeah, this week. <laughs> it, it, it's specifically about the St. Joe's team. I had a couple of yeah. So one, St. Joe's is obviously like trash anyway, just because they're St. Joe's. But I swear to God, we might have we might as well have been playing like the local YMCA. So gray and maroon are like whatever colors to start. Oh, those their jerseys are, are trash. trash. Oh, it, garbage. I swear they ordered those off of East Bay and they got like the Chinese knockoff East Bay sent them stuff. Cause like those things are fucking terrible. <laughs> they the color look, contrast, the yeah. fit. They got like the discount version of them. Everything doesn't, nothing works. Nothing it works. It's so abysmal. Bad. Second point on St. Joe's. Does St. Joe's have a strength and conditioning coach? Because none of those players look like they have ever been inside a gym. And then you contrast that with fucking Caleb Daniels and Justin Moore, who are like, where is the protein bar? I need more protein. It was like, I I just didn't understand what we were doing. St. Joe's got one guy's like the skinniest guy I've ever seen on the basketball court. The other guy daily is frat boy 1.0 i have never seen a division (laughs) one college basketball player look more like he just woke up hungover from a great frat party the night before than daily on saint joe's he's got the beer belly to boot i do not understand how he is a division one college basketball player daily is so frat strong it's so fucking hilarious if he's I drew the, a, if I drew a frat guy, it would be daily on St. Joe's. He's got, he's got the little bit of the pudge from drinking too much beer, but also works out with his buddies because that's part of it. <laughs> yeah. So he's like got decent like shaped arms. So like he's like all arms, little pudge, <laughs> and like just kind of has like lax bro hair too. Hundred hundred percent. So it just he like fits the mold. Like he, like yeah, he absolutely hundred yeah, percent. It, it's it's unbelievable. Um, so those are, those are my two big takeaways from St. Joe's. The team is terrible. And then they've got the frat dude leading them. It's, oh my gosh. There were so many things happening there. Can we talk about this? Like, what the fuck were they thinking with some of the shots they were taking? Uh, Like, like, Uh, it would just be like, cause you know how, like sometimes you're watching the game and like, you're like, 
kind of get a feel for when the team's that team's possession is gonna gonna conclude. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, they they pass it around a lot, they dribble a lot. You can see what's gonna happen. Like you kind of predict in the next three seconds the shot's gonna go up. Like I'd be like watching it, waiting for St. Joe's to like run their play, and then like as the moment they look like they might start to get into a play. The guy fires it up from like thirty feet. I was so confused. It's like it was wild. It, wild. Yeah, stuff. It is. It was really quite an abysmal performance. I just looked it up. The strength and conditioning coach uh, at St. Joe's is a guy named Eric Lang. Not is related. That, is that the coach's brother? Not not related to Billy Lang. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Spelled differently, but okay. he is. I, I can tell you, he is clearly no good. That's for sure. No, no. that is for sure. Um, I want his job because he's clearly not doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, all right, enough shitting on St. Joe's. It never gets yeah. Involved. Look, we are two and zero in the Big East, um, and and so you know, weird win versus Georgetown, but a nice win versus Butler. Yeah, pretty pretty solid W against Butler. Not that Georgetown and Butler are anything to write home about, but still, you 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 get two wins, you you, you take it. Yeah. Um, so, so good to be two and oh, um, and with that, we kind of roll into the Marquette game Marquette. on Wednesday. We're at Marquette, um, who Marquette's got four losses already. Yeah. Um, but yet they're, they have two awesome wins. They've beaten Creighton and they've beaten Wisconsin. They are so, an enigma. So, so like, look, and they're, of course they're, you know, they're run by that fuckhead Steve Wojo. <laughs> Um, your favorite so, yeah we asked fans what like our, our favorite their favorite bit was on the podcast and the una- almost unanimous win was like majority easier was my hatred of wojo and like multiple people said but i don't get the sense that that's a bit i get the sense that you really hate him and i'm like yeah that's that's true i i don't like him it i is. don't like him one fucking bit it's very like, true that guy sucks. Not a good coach. <laughs> that guy. That guy sucks. Not, yeah, he's not com- as much as the St. Joe's strength and conditioning coach. He's complaining. But... He's run all the best players in his program out of the program. Um, doesn't doesn't win in March. No, doesn't win in March. Doesn't win a lot in February either. Candidly, <laughs> doesn't, like, doesn't win a lot. Period. Yeah, kind of like January champions every year. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm. I don't love Marquette. He's he's, he's playing for the ca- he's playing for the calendar year, not the not the basketball year. Yeah, that's so what he wants continuous improvement until December. <laughs> yeah, and like that's when the that's where they reset. Going. That's yeah, a yeah. fair point. It's a fair point. Um, we figured it out. And like this is a sidebar, but like also I find that we always play at Marquette. This is different this year, but we seem to always play at Marquette in like middle of January, and it's like right after a snowstorm. And it's like always like a shitty weekend. And then like, I just like, okay, I'm going to cozy up, watch some Villanova basketball. And that's the game we fucking lose every year. Yeah. And so I am, I hate Marquette. I hate Steve Wojciechowski and I want to win this game really bad. That being said, because they seem to have this versus top 10 team mojo going on over at Marquette, I remain worried that we're, that we're playing them at their place on the 23rd. Yeah. So th- just to be just to be clear for our fans here, their two big wins are against Creighton and against Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Two very yeah. very solid wins. So they they can play up, and they've got yeah. they've got some players. Not a lot of players are probably familiar with this point. Um, you know, we've been used to Marcus Howard being the guy, but he's obviously gone at this. Theo John comes back for his seventh. This Seems year. like it. Yeah. Seems like it. Um, 
He's got dirty plays to last 12. Oh, my God, totally. But they do have a couple other guys. Um, their leading scorers, Kobe McEwen, McEwen, I don't know pronounce it, Dawson Garcia and DJ Carton. DJ Carton is a transfer from Ohio State. Dawson Garcia is a freshman, so obviously you wouldn't really know those guys. And then Kobe's been around for a while. He's a senior. So they're, those are the leading scorers. Um, yeah, I don't know what to – I don't really don't know what to expect from this game based on – what we've seen from them so far because they're a little bit all over the map. Some good wins, yeah. some bad losses. I expect Wojo to complain at the refs. Probably true. Um, I expect a tough game. Look, I, 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 I'm not sure we get out with a win. Um, not sure. Not saying it won't happen because it's not sure. Um, the fact that there won't be fans makes me feel a little bit better about it. Um, but they've, this is a team that's played up to its competition. Um and we've let teams hang around too long in games. So I'd worry that that bites us in an away environment against an actually good opponent as opposed to a bad opponent like Georgetown. Yeah, no, totally fair. Um, we shall see. And that will, that will round out the end of the 2020 schedule, which is kind yeah. of crazy. A couple of things to look out for in the Marquette game. Some things that I've noticed um, have been coming along as of late. Slater has given us really good minutes. And so – I am looking to see if Slater continues to play on the on our um, live podcast. We talked about, hey, if Slater plays at the top of that one one two two press, then like that could be like a good sign. And you know, I think J Rob's kind of taken more of that role, but sometimes Slater also helps up in that in that press and then sinks back on defense. And he's kind of become somewhat of a defensive specialist, but also has provided some good offense. His shot looks good early. Obviously, we talked about the dunk earlier. So, like, I'm looking for Slater to actually play a decent role in this game, um, especially with Theo John down low. I actually do expect there might be some foul trouble. And the other guy I'm looking at is Dixon to actually get some good minutes against John and, and yeah. the guys downside. Like, a big body is going to help down. And I think that Dixon and some more rebounding by committee with Samuels, I think, can all be – very important. And while I'm on the topic of Samuel, so I'll talk about, I've seen some progression. Obviously, three-point shooting still leaves some to be desired. I saw you hit one in the last game, but like the, <laughs> yeah, it's like 19%. It's, said, right? it's like, terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's not say, good. Leaves a, but a the lot shot, to be desired. But, but the hitch is, he had like a weird hitch in the beginning of the season. And it seems like that's smoothing out a little bit. Um, but either way, what he has <laughs> the ball is on. still not going in the hoop. So no, sure. I get it, I get it, I get it. But but you look for signs of potential improvement. Nineteen percent feels like a statistical aberration. It's going the wrong way though. <laughs> Let's just let it work out. Let's just let it work out. The shot looks so much better, but the shooting percentage keeps going down. <laughs> yeah, but we'll see. I think that'll come. I think I think we're in the middle of. I think we're at the bottom of the uh, of the swell of the swell. So. Good, good thing. Good thing he's just a sophomore and has a couple of years to improve on his three point <laughs> shot. Um, oh, but he, he has improved and shown himself as a slasher, and so yes, and so I'd like to see more of that versus Marquette. Get to the free throw line. We know Theo John has a propensity to get some get into foul trouble. Yeah. So the more we can run at this guy and take him out, like get him out of the game early, and that allows us to play a totally different game. A totally different game plan because they shoot the three ball well, Marquette does. And so if we can get John out of there, it takes an element out of their lineup and then we can focus on guarding the perimeter a little bit. So that's my that's my answer to the team. Get to the cup, Slater, Samuels, Moore, get to the cup, Dixon, body him out. I like it. I'm on board. Let's do it. Let's make it happen.
Awesome. All right. Should we should we look around the Big East quickly, see where we are? Uh, yeah. Let's do it. So, so the Big East standings right now, obviously, you know, it, it's kind of a, a mixed bag at this point. So I will just kind of hit some of the, the highlights at this point. So you've got, from an overall record standpoint, Xavier is 8-0. For what it's worth, don't don't have any quality win there, right? Just snuck into the top twenty-five. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. So you've got Xavier, us, uh, and Creighton still kind of. Uh, I'll, I'll give Xavier the benefit of the doubt and say, hey, there you're kind of in that upper tier now. I'll give you some credit, right? You're in the top twenty-five. Fine. Then you've got you know your kind of mixed bag of teams, which are kind of the teams we talked about earlier. You've got Providence, Seton Hall, Marquette, St. John's. All have, with the exception of Providence, all have four losses. So a lot of losses kind of piling up. They've got, you know, five, six wins, something like that, based across those teams. So again, kind of that that middle tier like we expected, super inconsistent. And then I will say, I'm going to give them kind of like the bottom tier for right now. But it's actually, we don't even have enough data points. You've got UConn, Butler, and DePaul. DePaul still has not played a game. (laughs) Like... It is. It's the end of December. DePaul hasn't played at all. Uh, Butler's played three games at this point, and UConn has played. Um, UConn's played four. So it's early for those teams. We won't pass judgment on them just quite yet. But I'm what, giving what a UConn, weird year. I'm giving UConn a benefit of the doubt. Continued to do. I'm continuing to give UConn a benefit of the doubt. And I think that they 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 took Creighton to the wire. Took them into overtime. They did. Yeah. Um, what was it just yesterday? So, so I've given UConn a little bit of benefit of doubt here. I think UConn's got, got still got something good coming for us this year. Good in the sense of they'll be good, not for us like Villanova, but for the Big East. Yeah. So, so I think based on where we are, I don't know that a whole lot has changed in terms of how I'm thinking about the conference, other than you know Creighton. Maybe I'm a, a little bit less scared of at this point with a loss to Marquette. Their other loss to Kansas was to Kansas, and it was it was very close. It was a one point loss, but I don't know. It's kind of a weird loss to Marquette. So um, I don't know. But all in all, nothing's really changed for me given what we've seen at this. point. If I'm not mistaken, we played both of our Creighton games because the schedule came out, and the only reason why we didn't go into too much detail in this podcast about the schedule is because we already got a game removed from it because we didn't fucking feel like it. Yeah. Yeah, which that. like just to be clear, I, I'm like I, I may have said that in like a little bit of a condescending way, but like like my point is not that at all. I get the guys need a mental break, but like um, we had a game scheduled, like the the conference literally just came out with it on December 30th versus St. John's, and Jay Wright called St. John's and was just like, "Hey, we don't want to play," and <laughs> they're like, "Okay, cool, let's do schedule." Yeah. So like, wh- why am I going to talk about too much about like the the games that are going to take place? Because it's still very much up in the air. Yeah. Um, what a year. So I believe our Creighton games are scheduled in the back half of the season. Yeah. Mid, which I mid think February, be- beginning of March. Yeah. Which I think is better for us than it is for them. I actually came into the season thinking Creighton might be better than us in the early go. Mm. Um, with Zagorowski and all those players who like were coming back. Not that we didn't have that too. But I felt like we had more development pe- pieces that we needed to get going um, for whatever reason. And so, and so I think that we'll be better suited for Creighton to play them later in the season. Fair enough. We shall see. And um, then do you want to talk a little bit like, hey, we're, we're kind of at the back end of 2020. It's the last game. We have no games scheduled. 
at the moment, you know, because UVA decided to go on a different date because that was wild. That was wild. Yeah, they they stood us up because they got the they got the COVID, and then they promptly called up Gonzaga and was like, "Hey, you want to do a game?" Bullshit. Yeah, I mean, not really bullshit, but it kind of felt like a little bit of bull. It felt like bullshit because the timing of the yeah. announcements, like it was a whole week later. So yeah, they're out of their COVID protocol. And maybe they called us to say, you want to play on 1226? And Jay was like, nah, no, nah, we don't want to play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, but like, it feels really fucking weird that like it happened in like within rapid, within like a few hours of the news, it was like UVA can't play because of COVID and UVA is playing Gonzaga. It was, it was a little weird. Yeah, I agree. Um, neither here nor there. Um, I think we should, I think we should, let's close out 2020 and then put a Christmas wish list together. How about we go in that order? Perfect. That works for me. Uh, so obviously 2020 has been a weird fucking year. Um, the number one, yeah, the number one thing to talk about was, was that we came, we progressed a lot as calendar 2020 wore on through the biggie season last year. We got a lot better, showed a lot of promise. Um, and unfortunately the season was cut short, but we had enough season to, to allow Sadiq Bay to really demonstrate himself as a first round draft pick and became when you drop to like 19, which is that's where he got picked up. And, and people are saying he got picked up too late. That's a pretty good sign. Yeah. And he's already doing pretty nice. We'll do a heart monitor on a following episode because the NBA season hasn't started up yet. Um, we see he's got some nice action in the Pistons uniform um, in preseason, but it's too early to tell anything at this point. Uh, but but it's nice to see Sadiq develop like that through 2020. So some good and shouts to him for, for obviously a life-changing 2020 for him. For sure. The one thing I'll say is that with the end of the season happening as abruptly as it did, and the reason why I, I bring this up is because I was on Twitter and I was reading about fans who are – St. John's fans, I should say, who are disappointed with Mike Anderson's tenure, which only started last year. And, like, I get being slightly disappointed. Obviously, you got to give a new head coach, like, time to work it out and, like, get his recruits into the program and get them older. So usually the leash on a, a head coach should be, like, three, four, five years. But but I see some frustration playing. And I wonder how much of that is the lack of being able to contextualize the results of last year. So what I mean by that is fans of St. John's are complaining that – Mike Anderson hasn't been what they had hoped them that he would be, but let's just say, and not to say it was automatic by any stretch of the imagination, but they were up at halftime in that famous, now famous infamous game that got played at the beginning of COVID at MSG during the Big East tournament um, last year, they were up against Creighton. Zagorowski was on the bench because he was hurt. So like, they could have, you could very well foresee a, a situation in which they won that game. So they would have knocked off a top 10 opponent at the end of their season. I don't yeah. know how the rest of the games would have played out in that tournament or whatever, but like you win that game and all of a sudden that's a story you sell to the fan base for the rest of this totally. offseason where you're just like, look, look how we got stronger and we knocked off a top 10 opponent at the end of the season. And now, and now like we have reason to be excited. And, like, yeah, there might be some growing pains in the early part of the season, but, like, that's, like, how you manage expectations of a fan base. And he didn't get that opportunity to be able to say that about about his team at the end of last year. And so I feel a little bit of this lack of context being able to be applied to the beginning of this season. 
Now, I liken that to Villanova. Obviously, we were going to have we well, who knows? But we were primed to be. We finished the season in the top ten. We were probably looking at a three or four seed in the NCAA tournament. And like a lot of us felt pretty good about our chance because we were improving at the right time. That lack of context going into this year, I didn't think about going into this season. But like now that I think about it, I'm like, it would have really helped to have that final chapter be written. Yeah. To have an idea of like what to expect from the beginning of this season. I've been pleased with the beginning of this season. It's been a little herky jerky, but like we're in the top 10. Um, well, we're seven and one. And, and so we gotten off to a decent start. Um, but, but like, had I known going into the season that, Hey, we just fresh off an elite eight appearance. Like I might have a different feel than if we were coming off of, uh, you know, round of 32 flame out. Yeah. Like come Absolutely. off of that. And I'm like, I don't know what to make a seven and one. I don't necessarily feel good about this coming off an elite eight. I might be saying, Oh, seven and one, that one loss was an aberration. And it was like, you know, one overtime loss versus a decent major conference opponent, like yeah. whatever. Um, but I just think that that's what 2020 has unfortunately caused is because we can't figure out what happened at the end of last season. And this beginning of this season has been so up and down and herky jerky, and you can't figure out exactly when you're playing what opponent and you don't know what's going to come next. It's, provided a lot of challenge in terms of figuring out where teams stand and what they look like. Like the only thing I'm certain of at this moment in the season is that as of right now, I think Gonzaga is the best team in the country. And I'm not sure it's particularly close, Hmm. not to say that it couldn't change later in the season, but at this moment in time, I haven't seen anything to say that Gonzaga is not the best team, but all that being said, but if, if, if Villanova again, went to the final four last year, I'd probably be singing, singing a different tune being like, now nah, we're the best team. We just haven't shown it yet. Yes, it, totally agree with you. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's I think that's well said and interesting take that I hadn't thought about before. The one thing I th- I think about looking back on twenty twenty, there there's so many different issues that that we talked about throughout the summer, be it um, around George Floyd and around race, um, and you know the team's role in that and and our role as fans. So I'll touch on that in a minute. The other thing that that comes to mind is you know talking about continuity and, and things like that it's just another year as well to say, you know, I remember back, what was it? The end of the 2019 season, I guess, or 2018, whatever season it was, when we were talking about, you know, Phil and, and Eric and what that season meant, you know, we're questioning, Hey, does, you know, are we starting another run here in another dynasty? And while yes, the, uh, the end of the season is still unwritten and will always be unwritten. You know, there is, um, <laughs> we can look back on this now and say, yeah, 2020 was just clearly another year of Jay keeping the machine going and Villanova's continued level of excellence and reputation building growing even further. And it's what's pretty cool to me is I don't know that we're fully at the point of batons are being passed, but I feel a little, and maybe it's partially because like Kentucky and Duke are having terrible years this year. But it does feel a little bit like between us and Gonzaga, there's been a little bit of a shift that, you know, we're we're not just a nice story anymore. Like this is just what the landscape is. And Villanova is part of that landscape. And I think given the continued success now for call it six years, like that that continuity, I think, means a lot. And I think that has really shifted the perception of, of Villanova. So that's that's really cool to me. Um, yeah, I I, no, I I just agree at that point a lot. Like, 
Like I think there's the blue bloods and then there's the new bloods. Yeah. And I think that like Virginia, us, Gonzaga, Baylor has been around quite a bit actually to their credit um, has been like just a common feature every, every year has been top, top level basketball. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with your statement. That's a good point. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then obviously I think you can't look back on 2020 and, and say um, and ignore all of the, the challenges around COVID just like a year, unlike any other, um, which we've had to deal with and, you know, certainly won't be forgetting anything, anything from that. And then I think, you know, on, on the point around race relations around George Floyd and all of the, the social justice efforts there, I think it was a, definitely like a pretty en- enlightening year from certainly from a fan's perspective. And I think, you know, changed, I would say a lot of, I'll keep it specific to Villanova, changed a lot of, a lot of Villanova fans thinking or amplified some of their thinking about, you know, what the role of the team is and how they should, what role we as fans should be playing in the broader efforts too. And I think that was, you know, a great learning experience both for you and I, and hopefully for a lot of fans out there as well, too. Totally, totally. And we tend to be, when you, when you comment on basketball, you tend to just see like the players and like the statistics and, and whatever, and you see box scores and what have you and contribution on the court, whatever. I think there was a humanization. That may be the wrong word, but like, uh, like from a, there's a humanization of it because you're not watching this on television. You're also seeing this play out in the world. Like, and I'm not saying it in a way of like, you can't relate with another human's experience, even if you see them on the court, but it's like a a level of distance. Like these are TV people and these are, and we're, you know, fans. And so I would say that it's been, it's been important to have those conversations. And I encourage our fans to go listen to them um, because when you hear the likes of, Dylan Ennis, Towell Reynolds, Randy Foy, and others who have had great success in our program and elsewhere um, talk about their experiences. I think it's just a very clear um, sign yeah. that, you know, hey, look, the fan base and, and you know, look, Villanova is still very much a predominantly um, white community, especially when you consider the alumni base. Um, and it requires active listening and then, and then, and then decisive action and leadership. So I think we all have a role to play in that. And I, th- I think we learned a lot of good lessons from, from, from the basketball players off the, off the court totally. during that part of the year. Awesome. And, and it goes forward. Good stuff. All right. Well, I think that's it for 2020. Uh, should we wrap up on our a little Christmas wish list? Yeah. Quick, like quick, like rapid fire. That's what I think. Not, not discussion based, but yeah. Rapid fire Christmas list. Let's keep, we'll run a bunch of them. Um, I think for me on my Christmas wish list is for J-Rob to cement and ultimately win a first team All-American award. That is, that's definitely up there for, it won't, won't like actually it. happen on Christmas, but I'm happy in it. It, it happens in 2021. It's good enough for me. I like it. In addition to J-Rite wearing a mask the right way, uh, Caleb to stop fouling. That would be good. Just stop working out. Take a page out of a uh, daily's book. Just drink some beers or something. Or don't probably yeah, don't do that. Just, but that's okay. Um, yeah, have, have, have a beer. Have a beer. You know, maybe just go to Wendy's a little bit. Also on my Christmas wish list is to is for Cole Swider to start shooting like Caleb Daniels. Caleb Daniels is shooting forty five percent from three, taking a page out of the Sadiq Bay playbook Bay. of just I'm gonna fucking make everything I shoot. And Caleb Daniels wasn't supposed to be the lights out shooter. So 
Cole Swider, time to step the game up. I like it. Um, Samuels, we talked about it before. Wanted to continue to build on his slashing. Buck, keep shooting. I need, I need Samuels to keep shooting. All right. My last one is I just want Eric Dixon to just throw down a fucking, like, shack men jam, like, swing, like, the balls right in the guy's face, and, like, that's that's high on my <laughs> wish list. I want to see it. That That's going to be my, my shack bit man week, I'm hoping. All right. My last one is for Moore to um, become the steadying force at point guard uh, that he can be, um, who can take over games, but doesn't feel the need to all the time. Fair. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, that's it. Good luck to the Cats against Marquette uh, on Wednesday. Um, we are going to take a small break between Christmas and New Year. We may have won. We may not. It really depends on if we decide to schedule another magical game out of nowhere. Um, so, again, bear with us as we all manage through this weird coronavirus situation and the college basketball season that plays out. It's still better than college football. I can promise you that. Um, So with that, thank you for listening. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Have a happy new year and all the best. Stay healthy. um, Wear a mask, do all the right things. And we'll see you on the flip side from the full 40. Thank you for listening. And as always, let's go Nova. 